My name is Emma. I own the Daisy Chain and run music and movement programs for aged care and disability facilities. I'm going to share how to find fun, purpose and connection in that stage of life that others think is boring, dull and pointless. If you would like to know how we shine a light on the fun, vibrant, full lifestyles of the aged care residents and disability clients, stay with me as I share the stories of human connection. So today we're turning the tables um, and instead of me asking the questions, uh, my amazing creative assistant, Shani, is asking the questions. So um, I don't know what's in store and I'm not sure I like being like this end of it, but here we go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have you got your podcast voice on? My podcast voice? Yeah. What do I show up for a podcast? Same as always. Yeah, you're allowed to laugh. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you've got some questions. I do have some okay. questions. And I'm excited to ask you these because I know you are a wealth of knowledge um, and experience as well. And I know we get to share a lot of stories together too, so I'd love for you to share those as well. Cool. So... First up, I was reading today that around 1,100 aged care facilities are in lockdown across Australia at the moment. And I know we've talked a little bit about this too and that perhaps it's even worse than what it might have been before. Yeah. Um, so what's the impact that you're seeing that it's having, I guess, on residents as well as staff? Yeah, so I guess I'm surprised it's only 1,100, to be perfectly honest. I feel like there's 1,100 that I know. Um, I think what's different this time is that it's it feels like it's a surprise, even though it's not a surprise. So before, you know, last year it was, okay, numbers are going up, we need to lock down to keep the residents safe, um, which is exactly what we should be doing. This time I feel like it's there's cases popping up so they have to shut down to limit the spread of those cases within the facility. So I guess, and, and I don't know the exact numbers around this, so I, I could be wrong. I'm only going from my perspective. Um, but obviously with the, the higher rates of transmission, especially of, the, you know, the new variants and all the rest of it, it's, it's seems to be more that there actually are cases within facilities already. Um, so I guess from that perspective, it's necessary for everyone to isolate in their rooms because obviously they don't want it being transmitted from resident to resident um, and also staff to staff and staff to residents. The impact of that on staff is huge because if a staff member tests positive, then they've got to isolate for seven to 10 days um, depending on, you know, the regulations of that particular state at the time. Uh, and then, uh, like, one of the facilities I go to told me yesterday that at one point they were down by 40 staff. So that's 40, 40 members of staff who are caring for the residents who can't come to work because either they've, they've got COVID or they're a close contact and, you know, their family are isolating, so they've got to isolate as well. So the impact of that is massive. Um, a lot are still in lockdown from visitors, so whether that's family or entertainers, contractors, basically anyone that's not essential from going in. Um, and, you know, we can just we can argue whether it's right or wrong, whether it's cruel or it's not cruel, but I know 
that if there's an outbreak in a facility, we as the public are going to, there's going to be uproar and we're going to say, why didn't they do something to protect them? So there is really no option. Um, In terms of, you know, what the facilities are doing, they're doing everything they can to get through the day as best they can and to keep the residents and the staff safe. So it's not an ideal world and we don't have the luxury of having all of the normal activities and all of the normal routines happening because the residents are in their rooms. Um, And because, you know, like I just said, some places are down 50% staff. So they're exhausted and they're doing the best that they can do to get through each day, a day at a time. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, it's pretty confronting. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know we've sort of talked in the past as well, obviously, like, staff are in, like, full um, PPE as a mm-hmm. protecting um, residents, but what impacts that sort of having, I guess, that you're aware of on residents as well? Well, I have returned to one of our facilities last week and one of the requirements, so every, every facility has, obviously, there's the government recommendations, but then every facility or every company has their their own policies depending on where they're at in the journey um one of the places i went back to last week uh i had to so i always have to do a rapid antigen test when i arrive um which i think is really important um temperature check check in all that stuff um one of the facilities i went to last week i wore a surgical mask and a face shield and full ppe so over my gym clothes and i'm distanced from the residents so i'm not you know, I'm probably three, four metres away, so I'm not close, um, but that's the requirement at the moment. And I taught a half an hour class in a room where there was air conditioning on and I was exhausted at the end of it. So I was sweaty, I was hot. Um, you know, every time I talked, um, I had the mask on, so then my face shield would fog up and I couldn't see, so then I'm trying to <laughs> trying to interact with the residents. Um, and... You know, I was aware that the staff have been working like this for 18 months in some cases, but I hadn't experienced what it feels like. And in the space of that half an hour, I was shattered. And these people, the nurses, the lifestyle, the chefs, the cleaners, everyone is doing their job, which is physical. It's sometimes moving residents, helping them shower, helping them um with their meals, um, with medication, just doing all the things that are taking care of the residents in full PPE. And I, like, I just think they're incredible. Like they're, they're absolute angels and it's a hard enough job at the best of times, but you've got residents in their rooms, your head to tone PPE. Um, you can't see if you wear glasses, your glasses are fogging up all the time. You're sweaty um yeah it's just and yet they still go in day after day and they're smiley and they're happy and they are they love and they give as much affection and comfort as they possibly can while they're uncomfortable and sweaty and you know exhausted basically so that's the obvious impact um in terms of the residents i think we spoke about this before when you've got things like dementia happening, um, it can actually be really confusing for the residents. So in a number of cases, they 
in their mind, they think that the staff are scared of them and they're protecting themselves from the residents, um, which is quite confronting for both parties. Um, there are a number of residents that are choosing to wear masks. They don't actually have to because they're in their home. Um, and obviously we're not wearing masks in our own homes. We're not sitting here all day with masks and PPE on at home. So some of them are choosing to wear them. That's that's their choice. Um, and then obviously things like when they're not isolating in rooms, things like group activities are limited with social distancing. You know, they're encouraged to maintain the social distancing, which needs to happen, but that would be like me having my children here in my own home and saying, well, you've got to go and eat dinner down there and you've got to eat dinner down there because you're not allowed near each other. So it's that balance between this is their home but we also need to follow the guidelines and the regulations and keep everyone safe. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's intense. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think it's just amazing what staff are doing. Mm, yeah. At the moment as well, the pressure they're being yeah. on the Yeah, huge amount of pressure, huge amount of um, oh, pressure to get through the day every day. Um, but also that that fear, and I know I know because I speak to them. There's that fear that they're going to be that person that takes it in, that they won't know that they just go and do their groceries. They've got their mask on, they've sanitized, they've checked in, but somehow they end up carrying it, and that they are the one that gives it to the residents. And and I know 100% of them. That's their biggest fear is that they're going to be that that person that brings it into their workplace. Now. For the rest of us, you know, if, if you work in a, a restaurant or a shop, you obviously don't want to bring it into your workplace, but, you know, it's it has less of a dramatic consequence than taking it into an aged care facility. Um, so, yeah, they're, they are heroes. Yeah. Big time. Absolutely. Beautiful. So, obviously, with, like, what's going on and I imagine, too, like, you know, the impact for residents as well, like maybe not being able to see their family and like the emotional, social sort of side of things. Yeah. How does the music and movement programs that you run like support in that space? Yeah, so we are still, obviously the ones that we're allowed to go into now, we're back in, which is amazing. Um, it could all... <laughs> can actually be I can be driving there and get a phone call saying, sorry, we've gone into lockdown and I turn around and come home and do it on Zoom. Um, so we are very good at adapting according to the situation and it's so volatile at the moment. Like it's just literally can be hour by hour some days. Um, as always, we're doing face-to-face -face where we can um, and then we are still offering Zoom classes for those that are able to run it. The challenge at the moment for some facilities is that there's not enough staff to actually set up the Zoom um, because they're social staffed. It's either, you know, do we help shower people and make sure they've got their medication and their meals or do we go and set up a computer? So obviously the focus needs to be on the care primarily. Um, so we can offer Zoom. There are a number of places that have, uh, you know, entertainment systems that go into the residents' rooms. So it's able to be... Uh, broadcast through the rooms, which is amazing. So sometimes it's like I'm teaching to a, a blank screen, but I know that it's going into the residence rooms. I might have one person. We might have 50 people joining in. We just don't know. Um, we've done a number of one-on-one -on -one classes. So the 
staff will take the iPad or the laptop into residence room and we'll do it over Zoom and it'll just be one-on-one, which is actually amazing. Um, And we've also recently set up an option where local businesses or families or anyone can donate a class to a facility. So it might be that your loved one lives somewhere and you want them to have a class so they can donate it. Obviously, we need to liaise with the staff. Um, Or, you know, if you're a local business and you want to give back to your local aged care facility, you can actually donate a class as well. That's brilliant. And how if people like... um like you sort of mentioned businesses or people in the community would like to do that, like what's the process or how do they go about? Just go on their website, there's a contact us or social media, Facebook, Instagram, send us a message or call me, (laughs) email, sign language for everything. Um, Yeah, just there's lots of ways to contact us. So we will always get back to you within 24 hours, especially if you want to donate a class. (laughs) Oh, I love it. The plane flying over there. (laughs) and I just want to go back a little bit because I love the story I guess um that you shared with me that inspired those one-on-one online sessions and I would love for you to be able to share that with yeah yeah so I I didn't even realize they said to me could we do a zoom into the rooms and I was like yeah of course so I was thinking that it was going to be the class that was broadcast through their entertainment system. Anyway, when we started, the lifestyle staff member said, oh, I'm going to take you into Mary's Room Festival. And I was like, oh, we're doing one-on-one. So that was cool. So we set up. We did 15 minutes with Mary. She had a lovely time. She was doing the twist and um, we had a little bit of a chat. And then they took me to another gentleman's room and I I think he'd been in one of our classes before, but he hadn't been particularly engaged. And sometimes that's a challenge over Zoom. But anyway, so he was he was sat fairly close to the um, tablet and we put the music on. I said, we're going to have a little bit of a dance. Are you okay if I put some music on? He said, yes. So we started dancing and he was was really engaged, but then he like was visibly upset and started crying. And I stopped the music and I said, are you okay? And he said, um, I, I'm sad because I miss my friends. And I said, well, would you like to have a chat? Like, is the music company feel better? Do you want to keep dancing or would you like to have a chat instead? And he said, no, I'd like to have a chat. So we got talking. He told me that he had grown up in Germany during the war and that they'd run away. He was 12 years old. They'd run away because of, you know, Hitler and the whole situation in Germany at the time. Um, And, yeah, we just had this beautiful chat probably for 10 or 15 minutes about his life. Um, He told me that he was sad because one of his friends had passed away and he wasn't able to see him and he missed missed that process of saying goodbye but also missed chatting to his friends um was very very stoic and very understanding of the situation um and said you know we need to we need to keep people safe but at the same time you know miss i miss being able to interact and have those connections um so yeah then i cried (laughs) just for change (laughs) but i feel like you know when when we set the Daisy Chain up, it was about music, movement and connection. And it's really important that we we teach our classes and we do whatever the activity is 
But having those one-on-one sessions just gave me the opportunity to go, hold on, I actually don't think that's what he needs right now. He needs, right in this moment, he needs someone to have a chat with. And, you know, while the, the staff are incredible, they're also incredibly busy and there's one lifestyle staff member to potentially tens of people and they can't be with everyone all the time. Um, so in that moment, it was it was actually a really lovely gift to be able to be that person for him and just listen and, you know, learn and be open-minded and open-hearted to what he wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> 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 no, and I guess that comes to as well, like, in terms of, like, I guess the benefits of having external people, right, whether it's online or in person, like being able to deliver programs, you know, like you do or run different, you know, whether it's art classes and yeah. those types of things, like what do you see, I guess, as the benefits for those? Um, I think I think the biggest thing is that it changes the dynamic um, and, you know, we've talked about the fact that the staff are, they're exhausted, they're overworked, they're stressed, they're tired, they're doing an absolutely incredible job of providing care and comfort. Um, but they are human beings as well. And it, it's if I can, you know, I'm here or I'm in the car, I've got, I haven't been in that environment all day. So I'm coming in fresh, as it were. Um, I'm not exhausted. I'm not head to toe in PPE. And if I have got that on, it's only for half an hour. Um, So I'm able to, I guess there's a bit of a a, a switch that we can flick and go, okay, right, now it's not about me for the next half an hour. It's about whoever, whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face, and just just been able to change the energy slightly. And and, And I think the... One thing that people misunderstand about what we do is that we go in and, you know, I've, I've had friends' husbands say this to me, oh, you just go in and jump around. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting that that's what you think we do. <laughs> and to a certain extent that is what we do. But it's not just about trying to force people that are sad to be happy. Um, and I think that is probably the biggest misconception about what we do. It's about seeing what their energy is and how they're feeling and trying to not fix it or make it better, but just work with them and what they need at the time and connecting from one human to another. Because sometimes we don't need to feel better or we don't need to not feel sad or we don't need to, you know, I can't, I don't want to make someone happy. If they're having a bad day, it's more important to me that I can or any of our instructors can say, hey, John, you know, I understand you're having a bad day. Like, it's pretty crappy at the moment. I understand. Would you like to stay and join in the class? Um, Are there any songs that you like playing? Or would you rather just go and sit in the lounge room with your friends at the moment or watch TV? Um, it's not about forcing people to do things to try and make them feel something that they're not feeling because all the feelings are important and in that moment they need to feel how they feel and not be, you know, be positive or be happy. 
Um, and I feel like that applies to the staff too. You know, I'll go in and I'll say, how's your morning? And they'll go, I'm exhausted. I'm not going to go, oh, well, think about how great things are really. It's like Sundays, it's crap. Um, so I think as a human, it's more important to acknowledge that and support that rather than try and make things better than it is because that's not always what is needed. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, it's amazing, right, I guess just that awareness to be out, yeah, to connect with people, to be able to see what's going on and, mm. yeah, that raw and realness, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, you shared with me, I love your stories. I keep, <laughs> and I think they're so important to share. And well. you bring them up and I'm like, what's I say? <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> yeah, which story is this? <laughs> um, so late, I think it was late last year, we were having a bit of a chat and you mentioned about, um, it had been about 18 months, I think, since you'd gone back into this facility and just the shift particularly for one of the residents and the staff, I guess, around. Um, do you want to share that? Do you remember the story I'm talking about? <laughs> Give me a clue. <laughs> Give me a clue. Um, so I believe there might have been a resident there who had previously been quite active and lively and over sort of the 18 months, I guess, where, you know, classes weren't progressing and things like that and things had been locked down, that that resident had become quite quiet and yeah. they just weren't getting anything out of her. And then um, I think it might have been the physio was with her okay and she started joining in to oh fight. i guess i know where we are now <laughs> shawnee's going oh my goodness did she make it up <laughs> yes i do remember so this particular lady had been a teacher um and <clears throat> was always quite active but also as a high school teacher liked things to be just so and used to join in quite enthusiastically and yeah I hadn't been back for probably 18 months and um she had deteriorated quite badly and and the main thing that I noticed was that she just wasn't really communicating verbally um I think it's really important this isn't part of the story but I think it's really important to understand that just because someone's not communicating in the way that they used to doesn't mean that they're not communicating anymore it just means that we need to look at how they are now communicating and adapt, especially when you're dealing with dementia, adapt what we do. And instead of going, and I did a post on my personal page yesterday, um, just because we say someone can't talk doesn't mean that they're not communicating. Um, we just need to learn what their new way of communicating is. That's a tangent. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I put on a song. I can't remember what song it was. Um, but this particular lady went from literally slumped in her chair, uh, sleepy, uh, with her head kind of on her shoulder and the physio was sat next to her. And this particular song came on and she just started, like, tapping her fingers on her legs um, and I looked and the physio looked <laughs> and then she kind of started moving and then she started clapping and then physiologically her whole 
body changed and she went from being slumped with her head kind of relaxed to sitting more upright in her chair. Her shoulders were back. Her head was up straight and she started clapping and singing. And the, <laughs> the physio looks at me and went and wiped her eyes because she was crying because, you know, generally from one day to the next, you know, the physios are just as amazing as the other staff. They're trying to get them to walk down the corridor. They're, you know, they're getting them to in and out of the shower and doing things that are functional daily movements. Um, and I think it was just, it was just astounding to see what the music did and the, and the shift in energy and how once she started moving um, and she recognised the song, how that had that kind of domino effect of she started to feel better and then she started to move more. And it was almost like it tricked her into doing more than she potentially thought she could do. Was that the story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I cried. There's a lot of crying. <laughs> I, don't know when, <laughs> I don't know when you shared that with me, like I just had goosebumps because yeah. it's just that, yeah, just the magic of music, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, sure. Don't surprise me with any other stories. <laughs> well, I just want to open up the like court to you, I guess. Now, is there anything else that you want to like share uh, for them, like with what's happening at the moment? Or yeah, like- I I think the biggest thing is, and and I guess this is the reason that I started the podcast originally was because I want to help to educate and change perception about aged care and disability. Um, we're talking about aged care today, so focus on that. It's very easy for people that aren't in the system in one way or another, whether it's living in an aged care facility or having a family member, a loved one living there or being a staff member, whether that's manager, lifestyle coordinator, cleaner, cook, um, laundry services, um, you know, it there are so many cogs in the wheels of aged care and each one of them is equally as important as the other. Um, I think it's really easy from the outside to think that it's a failed system and it's somewhere that I never want to go or I never would have, I never would want to put my loved one into a facility. Um, I, I I want to change that perception because it's not like that at all. There are some facilities that are lacking in certain areas and I'm not for one second suggesting that every facility is amazing and every staff member is amazing, but I'm also, uh, it upsets me when people um, kind of generalise and make sweeping statements about aged care facilities being X, Y, Z because that's not my experience at all. Um, do I think there's enough funding? No. Do I think there's enough support? No. Do I think the staff get paid enough? No way. Um, but that's that's something that is being dealt with over time and it's really slow and it's really painful. And I don't, my role is not to judge or get political because I don't, I'm not educated enough in that area to be able to comment um, and for it to be fair and balanced. All I know is that, like I said before, the staff are doing an incredible job. The residents are generally safe and looked after. Um, and this is based on my perception of the places that I go to. So obviously people are going to have other experiences. And I, 
I know that when people listen to this, they'll go, but this happened to my mom and this happened to my uncle. And of course, there's going to be those cases and they need to be investigated and we need to expose those situations. But from a public perception, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, the staff are doing an incredible job with what they've got. Um, and at the moment, what they've got is very little. Um, and I know that they love the residents like they're their own families a lot of the time. And I think it's really important to remember that. So, yeah, that's that part. <laughs> um, and what else was I going to say? Um, yeah, I guess from a community perspective, if you are in a position to help, whether it's, it doesn't have to be financial, it can be, you know, get your kids to write a card and drop them off, get your preschool to make some, you know, pictures or some craft and drop it off at your local aged care facility. It could be, you know, making a video or recording your kids singing a song and emailing it to them so that they can get played to the residents. It doesn't have to always be financial. It can be, you know, just just so that they know that someone's thinking of them. Um, you know, it's Valentine's Day, cut up a load of red hearts and write some messages, drop them in, um, things like that. If it is financial and you're in a position to do that, then, you know, we can definitely help that um, happen. And like I said before, you can sponsor a class, you can sponsor a concert, um, all those kind of things as well. Beautiful. And I love that. I think, you know, you've shared as well on social media in the past as well of you and your girls and the community as well creating like things for Easter and yeah we did origami bunnies and then my crazy children who are as crazy as me said why don't we make a thousand um and I was like yeah cool that sounds like a great idea so we rallied around and um advertised in a couple of local community Facebook groups and it was in the first lockdown um, and everyone was wanting to keep their kids entertained all the whole time. And <laughs> over the last two years, we've been like, oh, you know, look after yourselves now. <laughs> there's the toaster, there's the kettle, um, there's some paper. But, no, we had amazing, you know, response. And people were sanitising the, the bunnies before they were putting them into plastic bags so that they were sterilised and there was no, no way that they could spread germs. Um, and they were even quarantining the, <laughs> the bunnies as well. Um, but it was just, you know, that's where we're on um, Channel 10 News. That was just something that, you know, we can say we're thinking of you and it's a crappy time but we're all going through it and you're actually not alone. There's, there's people that are thinking of you um, and I think that's really important. Absolutely. I've got goosebumps again. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme. <laughs> Tears and goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's the questions I had for you, thank you. today. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you for asking me the questions and putting <laughs> me on the spot for once. <laughs> My name's Emma. I'm from The Daisy Chain. And thank you so much for listening to The Daisy Chain podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, www.thedaisychain.com. You can also visit our Facebook or Instagram page.